0: We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. So by the time you're hearing this, we're going to be starting a new season. We're going to be entering the last 90 days of 2022, which is crazy to even think about that. I remember when everyone wanted to get out of 2020. And here we are another year, another year, another year, another year. And I find myself at this particular time with yet another identity. This is my first recording since becoming a grandma. And we're so excited to have welcomed Mr. Sir Vincent Charles into the family last week and a beautiful boy. My daughter did great. Her husband is amazing. And uh, this lovey here has been on cloud nine. So With that, it's now you won't hear me say, "Oh, we're going to be, we're going." I am. It's everything that people say and more, and I say thank you. It's a bonus of having these wonderful children that we have. Today's guest, we are talking to Sarah Carpenter. Let's start with speaking of kids. All right, you know she's a badass, single mom of four. Okay and a life coach. Now we got to find out where these kids are in age, how she's doing Listen, they're exhausting as it is. And if you have that partner, great. If you don't, superhuman powers are required for sure. So with that, I just want to say,
1: welcome. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: And Um. as always, okay. Tell us about you, anywhere you'd like to start.
1: Well, first of all, congratulations on the grandson. Thank you. Oh,
0: he's just beautiful. Thank you. Thank you.
1: They're the sweetest when they're just all fresh and new. So my story, gosh, where to start? So my kids right now are, my oldest is, will be turning 13 in a month. And then I have 10-year-old twins that are fraternal girls and then an eight-year-old little boy. So oldest three are girls, youngest is a boy. And yeah, it is uh-huh. aha <laughs> aha It's a, That's it's a, a, that's a
0: nice party of 5.
1: Yeah, it it's really interesting when they were young Some people just really connect with and love and adore toddlers and babies. Like that just is very natural for them. And I have friends who just would come over and could just automatically start playing with my kids. And I never understood that because toddlers and babies are really hard for me. Uh So the the first several years were, I mean, I don't even have words to describe because I don't really remember most of it. It's just you like just a lot of not leaving the house,
0: going through the 24 hours in a day to get to tomorrow to, again,
1: yeah. keep them
0: all together, I haven't lost anyone. Great. Everybody's still with us. Fantastic.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know what? They don't tell you. This would be my <laughs> advice, you know, to your daughter, who's a new mom is that your identity slips away so subtly. You know, mm-hmm. you're enamored with this new baby and you're meeting their needs and you're and your attention naturally and for good reason is all focused on the kids that by the time you come up for air, you're like, "Who am I, mm-hmm. what, am I, am I allowed to swear? Cause I want to say what the fuck happened. You are, you are allowed to swear. <laughs> you're allowed to
0: say what the fuck
1: just happened. Uh, where did Sarah
0: go? And, you know, kudos for you for kind of even identifying with that at such a younger age. That's usually an awakening as you get into uh, a little more midlife. But yeah, you're
1: absolutely correct. I mean, and I don't think I had a really solid relationship with myself before I became a mom. Like then that gradual slip away of the little pieces I did have like I mean mm-hmm. there was so little to hold on to to begin with that a couple years in I think my oldest daughter was probably I don't know five or six maybe and my youngest was one or two
0: and I just and remember at that feeling point like, in that span you have four children
1: I had four kids in four and a half years not in on purpose four and a half
0: years okay yeah because I and they really don't give medals out for that feat but just so you know wow
1: yeah, a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. And in the I mean, when my my twins were four and a half or four months old, we moved from our life in Utah where our family was and our support system to the Bay Area in California where we knew no one and were' basically on our own. So I had a, a child that was just about to turn three. She turned a th- three a week after we moved mm-hmm. and then had these four month old twins. Oh and like, yeah. no support system. And we, we belonged to a church at that time. And luckily I was able to lean into that community and, and mm-hmm. I don't have that religion anymore. But at that time it was a very mm-hmm. important part of my life. It was the safety net I needed, but yeah, I mean, it was all just meeting basic needs, diapers, food, baths, yep. clothes, like just, and then had a husband who worked in a really high, high, high stress job. He went out there and took a job with Pinterest, which felt so cool. Like, oh, we're like big time, yeah. you know, we're working in the, the
0: startup. In the Valley. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah. with that came so much stress. And mm-hmm. so not only was I parenting and trying to figure out how to be the mom of these four little kids, but how do I support a spouse in this high stress job who isn't able to meet my needs and to support me in the way that I need, Sure, you know, and, and sometimes your needs just in marriages and relationships, your needs don't match. And somebody has to be, somebody has to give. And that was that it all fell on me. And so yeah, someone gets sacrificed. Yes. That was definitely me.
0: (laughs) Your cup was always empty because you just had to keep giving to everybody.
1: And had no idea how to fill my cup. Like Mm. had no idea what I needed. And I think I wish that we lived in a society and a culture where we're teaching young people, young women, especially like how to meet our own needs, how to recognize What I understand now is how important community is to me. So when I feel drained or like, you know, I have these waves of depression, when I feel one rolling in, I know like I am scheduling dinners with my friends, we're having brunch, who can meet for coffee, and I fill up my social calendar because I know even though that's the last thing I want to do, that that is what drives my spark. But then I didn't know that. Then I was just like, I don't want to see people. And so I would just not meet those needs for myself and nobody else knew how to meet them. So yeah,
0: it definitely, it takes a village. It's good to know, or at least I identify. And, and I always say, you know, you found your tribe and I don't want to mislead anyone that thinks like, well, I need at least a dozen people on call at all times and in the group chat or what have you. No, God, no, you can have one person that knows that when they see you call or see you text, and, yeah, oh, if she's asking for coffee, it must be important. Let me go.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because my tribe in finger quotes has evolved. like the there mm-hmm. I have some some consistency. There's some friends that have been my friends for forever and ever. But also, there have been different groups of people who have met my needs at different phases in my life. Like my church community back then was really important that isn't my tribe anymore. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I was going through divorce and transitioning out of religion, my I got into rock climbing and my climbing friends were my tribe. And mm-hmm. so I that's one thing that I think I've done well in life that I'm really proud of myself for is finding my people. It's and, so important. And Yeah, and doing the awkward I'm so introverted. I'm like the introverted introvert. And so putting forth the effort to find those people and to build those relationships Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. hard. And the best thing I've ever done for myself, hands down.
0: Love hearing that. And again, like you said earlier, I didn't know how to fill my cup, but you also, we just met, I don't want to assume anything. And I'm sure there were days where, yeah, you chose to stay in and chose the couch instead of going out. but. Eventually, the push came where you're like, I need to see somebody. Let me get it. <laughs> or even fresh air. Like I had recently done an episode. Uh, for, uh, the woman's name was Amy. Oh, I always forget the last name. She lives in Alaska, and her uh, she's doing a outside, 365 days a year outside, and she goes outside every day for 15 minutes. And she lives in Alaska and, uh, you know, the summertime, as she was saying, was easier, obviously. But then in the winter, the sun rises at like 1030 in the morning and sets at maybe three in the like she says, the amount of light is just so minimal that you really have to plan it out. And it takes thought and effort. And that's what I'm hearing from you. And even if it's now, did you start rock climbing to say, Oh, I'm going to find some new friends. I can't wait. No, yeah, just probably something to like, I think I always wanted to try that.
1: Yeah. That's a whole story in itself. I will say like, just for the benefit of anybody who is like, okay, well, I recognize I lost myself and now I don't know what to do. I don't know what Fills me up. I figured that out because I recognized there was a feeling that was missing, like a spark. And Mm. the first thing I ever did was go on Facebook into a group that had just a bunch of random people in it. It was like a local group. And I said, Does anybody else feel like they left themselves behind when they became moms? And the amount of responses were like, Oh, me, me, me. And so Mm. that connection with those people, I was like, There it is. That's the spark. I feel it. And And you're not alone. And I'm not alone. And I kept oh. following that spark. Like anything that would ignite, like where you get that little tingle, you know. I don't know how other people experience it, but for me, it's like this like buzzing energy. Mm-hmm. Those that's how I know. That's how I know how to fill my cup is I really pay close attention to that. And with rock climbing. Oh man, there's so much background to that story. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Essentially, I had been dating as after my divorce, I felt madly in love, was dating a rock climber, didn't want to climb with him because he was an expert and knew all the things, you know, like, and so I felt really intimidated. was very insecure <laughs> about going with his friends. But when we broke up, I was like, damn it. I actually really feel like I missed an opportunity there. Like there was just something in me where I was like, yeah. That's something I really want to do. And so, yes. the bravest thing I have ever done, hands down, in my whole life was okay, for context, again, like I'm an introverted introvert, my own personal hell. Is being in a place where there's like a community and everybody knows each other, and there's like their own language. Uh-huh. And me being the outsider. That and then you walk in. Half. Yeah. And then I yeah. walk in and I somehow have to assimilate, but I just couldn't shake this feeling that I w- I wanted to learn to climb. I just really did, and so I walked into the local gym with sweaty palms and a lot of nervous energy. Went up to the front and I had tried to find like friends, like I had been asking, "Does anybody do want to like go climbing with me?" And no takers. Mm -hmm. So I walk into this gym to this amazing kid at the front counter. Who's just all like super pumped and happy. And I was like, okay, listen, I want to climb. I don't have any friends to climb with me. What do I do? And he was like, oh, here's a coupon. Like bring a friend and try. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't have a friend. Like I don't have anybody to climb with me. What do I do? And then he could tell I was kind of serious. So he got kind of like excited for me that I was so excited about climbing. And he was like, okay, here's what you do. You go on this Facebook group. You just ask if anybody wants to climb with you. He's like, I'm sure somebody will want to climb with you. And I was like, okay, <laughs> gearing up this energy. So I was like you're already in this like brave uh-huh. energy. So I put the post on Facebook and these people responded. And this guy was like, hey, I'm going at nine o'clock tomorrow night. Do you want to meet me? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, I don't. But yes. Okay. So I showed up and I did it. And I loved it. And then I got connected into this community and found this whole new group of friends. And it was like showing up for myself and having that rewarded. Like the universe Uh was like, you did the hard thing and here's your reward. And granted, like, it doesn't always happen that way. Right. Like sometimes we do the hard thing and it's just hard. And that really walking into that climbing gym was like a pivotal moment in my life. Because I was at this place where I had been a certain kind of person. I had belonged Uh to this religion that had a lot of structure and do's and don'ts and pretty rigid rules, rules, so many rules. Uh huh. And so I had been trying to fit myself into this religion for, I was a convert, so I didn't join until I was 20, but for almost 20 years, I was trying to fit myself into this box. And then being married, trying to be the good wife and trying to Uh be the good friend, and I I thought my superpower was being who other people needed me to be, never knowing who I am, right? Like never giving myself that same attention. And so climbing, like that was a thing that I did because I wanted to do it. I wasn't trying to be anybody for anyone other than me. And that was like, man, like that is how I showed up for myself. And everything after that has been... Another version, another evolution of me, and of course, always evolving. But Not you prove you like- prove
0: to yourself. I mean, here's what I'm hearing, and I'm I'm curious because you probably were always like it, but didn't realize it. And that is, we're women, we're people pleasers. I also wanna, I, I'm sure, if you threw in your religion and your church aspect to that and another role, another role, another role. A few things. What I know about identity is we could get locked into what they tell us we are. Yep. We can yep. do that with whatever job we happen to be working at. I am a this, I am a that, I am a that. And then that's what you are. No, that happens to be how you make your living at the time. You know, something mm-hmm. something to write on the resume. Then you're you started in this world as a daughter. Mm-hmm. Maybe you had siblings, then you were a sister. Maybe you had cousins, you know, then you eventually mm-hmm. became the wife and became the mother. And yet we think, well, we've made it to the top. Can't be any. Oh, yes. Oh, there's a ton more. And mm-hmm. before that even happens, Sarah Stephanie is still Stephanie. But we just say, oh, let's just shed that little skin because we gave these little people life. So now we're going to give them everything we've got of us and then leave nothing
1: behind. We're, we're going to be selfless. We're going to oh, have no self.
0: Don't even get me started. Don't even. Yeah, get, I know. It's yeah. so guilty if we're not the. So my point on the identity thing, it's just another phase as part of the journey, like as you go along and then maybe you stop at the food truck and you had tacos that day. Like, so my daughter, when she got married last year, I woke up in the morning and I was, and I wore my robe that said mother of the bride. Well, then that night I was a mother-in-law and now I'm a, I'm a lovey. Like it's, it's just one additional little title Call me whatever, don't really care. But when you stay grounded in yourself and selfless, uh, again, learn the self-love, know that you're only as good to other people as you are to yourself. And what people don't get is not from your cup, they get your overflow, It takes us a while to get there. You got there so early. I'm like, I'm super, super impressed. I truly am because you're showing your children at a very young age how
1: important it is. Yeah. You know, and I think, and the work I do in the world now is to help people build relationships with themselves because that's it. Like that is the crux of everything. Uh You know, people, my clients will come to me and they'll have this big long list of things they want to work on relationships and identity issues and all of these concrete circumstantial, like things that they need to work through. But what happens is as they start working on there and I'm like, those are all great things. We're not going to work on them. Like I am here to help you with your relationship with yourself. These will provide some context, but like, That's the work that we're going to do, right? I'm not going to tell you how to communicate with your husband. I'm going to tell you how to show up for yourself in your relationship with your husband, like those sorts of things. And what I notice inevitably happens is that list, we don't ever touch it, but it dissolves. You know, at least a lot of the things on it dissolve because that's the crux of it all is how I am showing up for me, how I am meeting my own needs Uh affects everything else. I don't need other people to like me and to validate me and to give me attention. If I'm doing that for myself, I still love it. I still love the validation. I still love it. When people like me, I still, it's my dessert, you know, I love it. It's like, I can, I get to savor it and it's so yummy, but it's not what sustains me. It's not my meal. That is my relationship with myself. And then any other, like, you know, people always like get in the trap of like, why, I why do I care so much if people like me? I don't want to we shame ourselves for loving that external validation because we think we're not supposed to, you know, mm-hmm. like if we're all healed. We, I think it's know. a human thing, really. Yeah. But really, like, no, I love that. I love compliments. I love it when people are cheering me on or telling me I'm doing a great job. That's great. But if they're not telling me that, if that's not mm-hmm. happening, I'm not falling apart. Like, I still know my value. I still know my worth. I still like me your opinion of me doesn't change my opinion of me and that's such a powerful place to be in life because then we don't recognize because it's just how we live we don't recognize how much we depend on other people to hand us our worth for example one of the things okay. that's like a pet peeve of mine that i that not a pet peeve isn't isn't the right word but it's something that kind of like nails on the chalkboard for me is when somebody mm-hmm. does something really thoughtful and kind gives me a gift, gives me whatever, but they give it not because it's like this gift to me, it's because they need my gratitude to feel good about themselves. They are finding their worth in my gratitude. So if they give me the gift and I don't say thank you, then they're like annoyed or I'm ungrateful or
0: whatever, you know.
1: but if they give me the gift and I say thank you, then like they feel good and all of the things. And I'm really aware of that in my own life. Like, am I doing this? If I do this and the person doesn't respond the way I hope they will,
0: mm. is it
1: still worth doing? The, ex- and if the, answer, well, the is expectation, no,
0: right? Yeah. And yeah. When you, yeah. when you keep your bar on the floor, the room for disappointment is very minimal. Yeah. So, and then and after it, that, you're just surprised.
1: Yeah. And it feels so good when you are with someone and in relationship with someone who isn't expecting you to meet their expectations Mm -hmm. you know they're just like oh you can't show up today I get that like yeah you're a human I'm a human we have hard days like that's okay like you didn't get around to sending that thank you card because you just had a baby like oh that's fine Mm -hmm. like I don't Mm -hmm. you didn't return my Tupperware that's okay whatever it is you know right when somebody just allows you to be you and human and flawed and tired (laughs) yeah or whatever, right. When they aren't expecting you to meet their expectations and their needs, those are the relationships I cultivate now and and how I try to be in relationship with people because that's such a healing energy to just get to be who we are.
0: so i oh I'm always very curious because i am a firm believer in coaching, in life coaching and specific there could be business coaching or what have you. How do you come to find coaching? Okay, here we remember what I told you about my disclaimer, mm-hmm. get ready. I'm <laughs> going to give you like 10 things okay. you can choose it from. It's like the buffet, just choose what you feel like. How does life coaching present itself to you? That'll be one. And then a follow-up to that would also be the effect that it had on you. And how did that then springboard your life coaching career, whatever you want to choose. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that first question, <laughs> tell me what you mean by that. Where are you in
0: your life that you discover or did you even discover, or had you, had you always known that life coaching was around gotcha. or let me go, I can either follow someone on YouTube by, I, I get every, a weekly blog. I'm just right. always curious as to how you discovered it.
1: The universe put up some neon signs and oh. I had the good sense to pay attention. <laughs> That's really Love the reality of it. You were in a tune
0: a lot. That's why I was I was trying to drive that point home and I don't think I did earlier.
1: You yeah, were I was paying attention.
0: In tune a
1: lot, and you didn't question it. You just knew. Yeah, it's funny because when I say neon signs, like so how I got introduced to coaching was Uh I was following this woman on Instagram who Uh she just is the most, her account is called Birds of Ashme. Her name is Ashme Holland and she's the most lovely human being. And her words are just so authentic and true. And I just adore her. And I had been following her for a while. And one day she put up a post on Instagram that was a cover of a book that said all women should read this. And I was not into anything, self-help, self-awareness, any of that at the time. Uh I was kind of like, rolling my eyes at it Mm -hmm. but because she posted it Mm -hmm. i was like oh if ashmay says i should read this i should probably read it got distracted came back to look at the look for the author or the title of the book and she had taken that post down she had only had it up for like 30 seconds but i was able to remember enough to find the book and to read it and in the book the author it was called playing big by tara moore And she, it's not about life coaching, but she was a life coach and she references her business and whatever. And that spark, that like little energy tingling, I was like, Ooh, what is this? That is my natural gift. I've always been the advice giver. I've always been the person people come to, you know, some people are just born with an ear for music. They can, they have to hone their craft and practice, Mm -hmm. but there's a natural thing. Like that was mine. I never wanted to be a counselor or a therapist because that just felt too heavy for me. But then I was like, life coaching, like, you mean, I can help people move from like baseline neutral to like amazing or excellent. Like, yes, that sounds what, and I was so excited about it. And so she mentioned in the book, like where she had gotten her training. So I was like, I'm just going to Google it and I'm just going to see. It was an hour away from my house, the way that the courses were structured, um, totally fit, even though I had four babies at the time and a stressed out husband working millions of hours. It just happened to work with our schedule and the universe was like, oh, here's this that you need and here's this that you need and I'm going to move these obstacles out of the way. And it was just, I've trusted that. And then, you know, it's funny is your second question was something about like how, life coaching impacted me. And when I first started coaching, like I thought I was all, I was all set. I was ready. Like I had the certificate, I was ready to go, you know, like, let me tell you what you need. And so I'd have these clients and I felt like it's my job to make their lives amazing. You know, like I took on all that responsibility.
0: Oh, Okay. Here we go again.
1: And then the universe and life were like, oh, you're not ready. Like, you need a little more education. Let's go ahead and give you some divorce and some heartbreak. And let's have you leave your religion. And let's have you like, though I had the training and the experience, I checked the boxes I don't even know if I even use anything like the, the modalities that I learned in my training and my coaching. What I know now is like life. Like Mm -hmm. that's what I get to bring is like, Mm -hmm. oh, now I understand that I am not responsible for your happiness in your life. I can create a safe space. I can like help you heal yourself and I can help you do your thing, but I can't do it for you. I can't, Uh, I'm not that powerful. I got a lot of skills. I don't have those skills. (laughs) You know, the other thing that I've learned that goes along with that second question is that we heal in relationships. We cannot heal in our own minds. And you can want- Say that again, say that one more time. We heal in relationship. We cannot heal in our own minds. Oh, we try. We think if we just think about it enough and we analyze things enough that we'll get there. but it's like if you have a hammer and four boards and six nails and you want to build a house, any way you move the hammer and those nails, you can use them in all kinds of ways. But if that's all you have, that's all you have. right? What we have in our own mind is what we have in our own mind. But when we're in relationship, and this is I mean, you can get into all the the brain science and my therapist tries to tell me all about it all the time and it kind of goes over my head, but we need other people we need to see ourselves mirrored back we need and mm-hmm. she calls it co-regulating so there's a whole mm-hmm. you know thing to google if you want but we need to heal in relationships and those can be relationships like it can be casual relationships like friends and family That gets harder because it's not unbiased. And sometimes they're bringing mystery
0: and right. It's expectation. It's right.
1: Uh And their own wounds and all Uh of that, you know, and even the therapists I worked with for many years were not the right people for me. It took a long time to find the right person that I could really do the deep work with that I could really Mm -hmm. heal and be in connection with to do that. But we have to find those people we can do podcasts, we can do books, we can do all of those things. If that's what our resources allow, then that's great. Do those things. Mm-hmm. But if you were in a position to find the person that can hold the space for you, that can allow you to be human, that can, like, there's no judgment. You just get to be free and open and honest. That's a like safety even... net, right?
0: Yeah, to offer the safe space, yeah. the judgment-free, the no-judgment-judgers. Yeah. And so and hard really... to find and see it from just independent eyes and ears Mm. that they had no skin in your game. But even though, again, we think our game is so unique to us when in fact it's, it's people, it's life, it's feelings. It's not that everything is generalized. It's not, but As you say, you said a few very important things and the right therapist, and there are so many talented, just as in relationships, I think there's, you know, there's a lid for every pot and it's something that is so important, but like any good relationship, you know, when you know, but a lot of people stay with, well, maybe it'll get better or maybe this is the only experience I know. So maybe this is how it should be. This should be the safe room. This is what you may not even tell your BFF and you're going to tell this person and again, holding that space for you, trusting the embrace that it's safe. You're okay.
1: I wish listeners could see like how intensely I'm nodding. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean a hundred times. Yes. And here is a thing, write this down. If you have to talk yourself into it, it is not the right thing. Mm. If you have to talk yourself into the relationship, if you have to talk yourself into that therapist, if you are doing the thing where you are trying to justify, and maybe it's me, if that's your language, maybe it's me. It's not you. It's not the right fit. And you can trust that. You can trust it. I was talking to a friend the other day, and she's in this relationship, and she's kind of trying, not sure if she should get us, you know, like all the things. And I'm like red flag, red flag. You're trying to talk yourself into this relationship. There's a difference between trying to talk yourself into it and feeling fear when you're in it. Like you might be in the right relationship and you might be afraid and you might be trying to talk yourself out of it. But if you're trying to talk yourself into it, and I did this for so many years, friendships, therapists, relationships, where I'm like, well, I did get this out of it. So, you know, oh, well, I mean, it's probably me. Like if I were just, Mm. no, no.
0: yeah, A little little EO-ish like, oh, it's okay. I'll just sit here. I'm sure it'll be
1: fine. No, if you're talking, especially relationships and therapists, those are the two places I think it matters the most. If you're Mm. talking yourself into your relationship, if you're talking yourself into, whoever is holding space for your mental health, it's not the right fit. I mean, and I don't think I really understood that until I found the right therapist, which Mm -hmm. has only been in the last few months. And what I've gotten out of the last few months of therapy has been more than I've gotten out of any therapy, all of it stacked together times 10, because I found the right relationship, the right person where I trust her and I can open up to her and the problem of being a life coach and going to therapy is, you know, all the right answers. <laughs> correct, <laughs> you know, so correct. Yeah, yeah. I know how to make myself look like I have it all figured out and I'm just fine. Yeah, and then I walk yeah. out and, and I'm you, like,
0: <laughs> and hopefully the good one will call bullshit. We'll see right she through does. it and ask you that very yep. hard question that sits you back and be like, I'm sorry, what?
1: <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. She's like, wait, 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 wait. wait. Yeah. Kind of just skipped over that part. Can Uh we go back uh to that? And I'm like, no, we can't. Keep moving. (laughs) Nothing to see here. Keep moving. Yeah. Yeah, Whereas in the past, you know, like the therapist would just look at me like, oh yeah. uh Excellent. Oh, you seem to work through that so quickly. Wonderful. And then I leave and like, I'm no different than I worked in, you know, but having someone who can lovingly and compassionately call bullshit and I can hear her when she does without getting defensive because I there's that trust without mm-hmm. getting defensive and without being like she just doesn't you know whatever right. we have the rapport and have built the trust and I I know when she calls bullshit that there's some bullshit mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. gotta like yeah. back yep. up and get curious yes.
0: well you rush past that for a reason uh-huh Oh, you yeah. rushed it up? No, I'm I'm good. No, it's fine. I'm good. So, I don't know what you're talking about. It's fine. It's it'll fine. still be there next week, don't worry. Yeah. It yeah. tends to stay. So tell me as the life coach, who your client is, who is going to be looking for you for the coaching that you offer.
1: Yeah. So the people that I love to work with most mm-hmm. are the people who, particularly women who have been doing the work right they've gone to therapy maybe you're a little bit burned out on therapy you're listening to the podcasts you're reading the books Mm -hmm. and you know like intellectually with your prefrontal cortex you know you need boundaries you know you need self-care you know the stuff right but then when you go to implement when you go to set the boundary, when you go to like, take the self-care, the guilt still shows up and the shame still shows up. And then it's like, I know I need to do this, but I can't do it. And then the self-talk of like, but you know, if I know, why can't I just do it? I hear that all of the time. You are my people. If that's you, you are my people because what we don't understand is there's this huge gap between knowing the thing and living the thing, and it's rooted in our physiology. It's rooted in our nervous system and our neuroscience. Like knowing something doesn't undo the conditioning that's baked into ourselves since childhood, you know, like yeah. the the beating ourselves up because we can't set a boundary when we know we should. Like that's like I get it. I get why we do that. And it's unnecessary. And so I help it's so fun. Because I get to help people change that inner dialogue, that inner voice that's like, Mm. you idiot, to, of course, of course, this is hard for me. Yes. Of course, I'm behaving this way, right? Where in therapy, you're going in and you're getting healed, you know, you're healing, you're doing the deep work. I don't do what a therapist does. What I do is I help you be okay right now. Mm. When we're not healed, when it's not fixed, when things are shitty and life is falling apart. Like that relationship with ourselves doesn't have to compound what's happening externally, right? When we can have self-compassion, when we can like just be grounded in ourselves, then yes, there might be chaos around us. We might know that we still need to heal. We might have all of these triggers and these things, but we can hold space and love ourselves in our own humanity. And that makes everything else easier when you aren't beating yourself up and you go to therapy and your therapist says like, oh, let's work on this thing. Then you get to approach it with curiosity. Like, oh, there's something here for me. Oh, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of feeling these hard emotions because I know people feel hard emotions. Like there's nothing wrong with me. And they're okay. Yeah. And when you're okay being with whatever emotions are arising in you, whether it's joy or jealousy or sadness or anger or fear or ecstasy or whatever, when there's no judgment around those, when there's just curiosity and observation, that is a whole different way of living. Instead of trying to control all the external things so that we feel good all the time, which is yeah. we can't do. It's wasted use of energy. But when we're controlling this inside and like letting ourselves be human and just riding the waves and we're not afraid of those dark feelings, we're just like, yeah, I'm a human. Curiosity,
0: right. The curiosity is is really key to Mm -hmm. the grace, the grace to ourselves that we would never speak to our kids or anyone that we love the way that we do. To the inner and believe, and believe me, I'm, I'm. Every week I say, "Joy found here." You know, give yourself grace, and it's so out of habit when I do something stupid or just I'll be like, "Really, Stephanie? Are, are you for real? Like, what mm-hmm. are you even thinking?" Same. And, and I really, it's it is such work to be like, "Huh, that was interesting." And I'll always be, let's be a little kinder to ourselves. I deserve it. Mm -hmm. Because if someone spoke to me like that, and of course, we're only doing audio, but my hand goes right there. Stop. Stop Uh right there.
1: I don't deserve to be spoken to like that. I do that to people all the time, but I don't do that to myself. Yep. If there are three things... You're not ready to hire a coach or a therapist or anything, but you want three like tangible tools Uh to help you build a better relationship with yourself is the first one is find a person, find your safe space, find the person who sees you for you, who like, isn't full of judgment, who doesn't need you to show up a certain way. And then the second, there's two things I say to myself all of the time to make that, that space and to stop that negative talk. And the first one, like you just said, two versions of this. The first one is I get to be human. I get to make mistakes. Like why I would never expect anybody else in the world to be a perfect human that never makes mistakes. That seems fucking absurd. Like that's just the dumbest thing. Right. But I expect that of myself. Right. I expect myself to be, so I get to be human. So anytime I feel like shame or embarrassment or, I regret something that I did or any of the time those feelings Mm -hmm. come up, I'm like, no, 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 I get to be human. I'm worthy of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing, and you said this is, isn't that interesting? When I feel an emotion, instead of being like, I shouldn't be feeling and gaslighting and shaming myself for whatever I'm feeling. I'm just, isn't that interesting that I feel sad right now,
0: Mm -hmm. right? And
1: that's an invitation for the curiosity. That's an invitation for me to learn something about myself it's an invitation to growth. It's an invitation like it's just an invitation. That curiosity brings something that can actually benefit me rather than the like you idiot, like why are you or whatever? Yeah, well, negative well also
0: it just a place of neutrality. Yes. Versus yes. Yes. you know, yes. 10 on the scale of what the fuck are you doing? It's uh-huh. just like, huh, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, and, no and, judging. It also it re- takes practice and it also It takes practice to stop, step off the ride, pump your brakes a little. In this 24-7 world that we live in with so much, everything just being shot at us at rapid speed, you just keep going and going. It's hard to, like, oh, and I'm a big, I I pump pump your brakes. Just let's just, let's take a minute. Let's just take a minute. (laughs) 30, make it 30 seconds I don't care but let's just stop a second and regroup because I don't know what's happening here but
1: yeah and what's interesting is what our brain will do is we'll be like okay yeah curiosity oh okay I'm gonna do that and then we fail <laughs> that like we end up beating ourselves up and then we beat ourselves up for beating ourselves up right like it can just be this endless loop of like getting it wrong So the key is that like, there is no wrong that wherever I am, whenever I find the the space where I can pump the brakes and I can get some perspective, Uh even if it's once a month or, you know, like even if it rarely happens, that's where you start is whatever moment you can find to give yourself compassion, give yourself compassion there. And it doesn't matter how often it happens or how frequently it happens, but it's when you notice it and you have the capacity to do it, to do it. Right. And then you just, that you slowly just start to rewire the brain. You slowly start to create those neural pathways where my self-talk now, I mean, I still beat myself up about things, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm really good in some areas. And then there's some areas where I'm still really hard on myself. Again, like I get to be human, but I love that.
0: I love that. I get to be human.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And
0: also it just disengages everything. Like I get to be human even if you wanted to continue the conversation in your head with the, yeah, but, oh, wait a second, uh-huh. what? I get to be human. Well, it like uh-huh. Again, neutralized it. I love that. Yeah. Love.
1: Yeah. Those are my favorites. Those are the things that in my life that I come back to over and over and over in all situations and circumstances. I mean, I'm still learning too. I think overall, my Self-talk now is much more gentle Mm -hmm. and much more compassionate because I've put that into practice over and over. So those neural pathways that used to be like, you idiot are now like, Mm -hmm. of course, Mm -hmm. of course, you're frustrated and yelling at your kids. You've had a really hard day. Oh, and isn't that interesting that you're experiencing shame, right? And then I, the beautiful part of it, just coming back to parenthood Mm -hmm. is that, When I am neutral with myself and my emotions, I get to be neutral with my kids and their emotions. I mean, I'm not perfect at this by any means, but I am less critical of their meltdowns and of their emotional outbursts. Like, oh, you're feeling a thing too. Okay, I get it. And then the other beautiful thing is, for example, I got so mad at my son the other day. I was yelling. I was not my best self. I was so mad. And then, you know, I had to leave to go drop off one of my daughters somewhere. And when I came back, I came down and I sat next to him and I was like, hey, can I talk to you? And he's like, no, you yelled at me. You were so mean. And I was like, I know, totally inappropriate. Let me tell you what was happening in my mind. Mm -hmm. And then I got to explain to him that I was feeling shame because I hadn't structured the day correctly. And I had done, let them watch a lot of TV. And it was all about me. None of it was about him. And it was all... My feelings about myself being projected onto him Mm -hmm. and I got to explain that and we got to have this really connective conversation and then we snuggled and watched TV. It ended up bringing us closer because I was able to own my emotions Mm -hmm. to tell him these are mine. It's not about you. I got to model for him what it looks like to take accountability to Mm -hmm. one, be human and to two, take accountability for it and remove that expectation that like, I am perfect, so therefore, if I did it, it was right, which I think was my generation. Like,
0: Uh, No, no, Uh, you know, I'm a true believer that words are tattoos, and Mm -hmm. that could have been a tattoo for him. You know, he could have a nice piece of luggage that you packed away, and he could have carried for a while, Mm -hmm. and instead, you were just like, oh, yeah, no, 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 not yours, mine, give it back. Yep. You're doing the work. You can see definitely where you are in your journey. It's not easy. No, man. But Mm -hmm. like anything, it's not easy. It's learned, it takes practice.
1: So, yeah. And you know what feels so amazing? Like it is a journey and it is hard work. But when you can look back, when I can look back, like when I had my first daughter. And how I wanted, there was this group of women that would always go out together and hang out or whatever. And I wanted so desperately to be the person that could just show up. There was just this person I envisioned myself being that I wanted so much to be her. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I just didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the relationship with myself. I cared too much about what they thought to what risk. Thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To risk them rejecting me. Cause that that would have hurt so much. So I wouldn't even risk it. But now I am that person and I live as that person. And to have that contrast, to be able to really see the road I've traveled and how far I've come, that feels so good that if I had started out, like without any of these challenges or problems, then I would, I'm so grateful for the journey. Because that feels so good. It's not the destination that feels good. It's like the process. It's It's a journey. It's it's all about it. Yeah, I'm in it. I'm doing it. I can see, you know, people think when you go to therapy or coaching or whatever, like you're trying to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. And once you get there, then you'll feel better. But no, it's all the teeny tiny steps in between. It's all an unfolding and it's such a beautiful process. And now that I recognize that I get to fully appreciate it and enjoy it. So when I face a challenge, or I, you know, have to go back to therapy because there's these things showing up that I thought I had worked through. It's like, oh, what am I going to discover this time? You know, yeah. and there's like, it's hard, but there's also this like sense of excitement or this internal knowing that there is a new version of me that's going to be born ready to come. I can't, I can't wait to meet her.
0: Oh my god! I love that. I told you it would be good, and it was more than good. Damn it! Yeah. It really was, Sarah. Okay. Oh my goodness, we can go on and on. I just want to be respectful of your time. Where do you hang out? Where is everyone going to find you? Because they're going to want to hunt you down and find some find out more.
1: The best place to find me is probably on Instagram, Sarah Carpenter okay. Coaching. Um, you can also find me on my website, SarahTheLifeCoach dot com, but Instagram is really where I put most of my content. Can I just go off one more little tangent? Please. I have this belief that we are, as a society, lacking community. Everything is about the what's in it for me, and it's about the gain. And I really want my platform, whether it's my Instagram page or the people that I work with or connect with... It isn't, though, you know, I make a living and I need clients and all of those things. What's more important to me, and that ends up being the byproduct, I think, but what's important to me is building this sense of community. So I hope that even if you don't need a coach, that you'll come and you'll hang out, that you'll schedule a 20-minute, free 20-minute call with me and we can get to know each other. I hope that you'll comment on things and that we can engage and interact and that we can like grow together. Mm-hmm. I think that's missing in so many places in our world where it's all about like, we're all in our own bubbles and we're doing it alone. And we're afraid of like, I'm not going to try to sell you anything. Like if you want me, if you want to hire me as a coach, great, you'll know, I don't need to convince you. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. That is one of the things that I'm hoping to build and to create are these safe spaces, this sense of this is a place where I belong. This is a place where I can comment, I can DM, I can reach out, I can have opinions, I can say how I'm feeling, and it will just be accepted. It will just be, I just get to be who I am and have my feelings and my thoughts. And here's a place I can put them. So join me for that. If you want to hire me, great, but also join me for that reason. (laughs) I got to say that is
0: beautiful to hear because what I just heard you say is everybody's invited, come on in. There's no hidden agenda because you you listen, here's what I do for a living. Maybe we work, maybe we don't, but come on in
1: ladies. Yes, please. That's it for me. When I, at the end of my life and I'm on my deathbed, I'm not going to be thinking about how much money I made and how many clients I had. I'm going to be thinking about the connection. I'm going to be thinking about my community. I'm going to be thinking about what we co-created and the world. like, what is our legacy that we left together? Because if it's just me on my own and all for me and what am I doing? Then like, that's not where fulfillment lives for me anyway. And maybe I can't speak for everybody, but for me, I don't want to live in my own isolated world. I want to be in community. I want to be connected to other people. I want to hear your story. And a lot of times, you know, people come to me and I am not the right fit. And that's great because, you know, I know a whole bunch of coaches who might be. And I'm very intentional about creating relationships, personal relationships with yes. therapists yes. because, you know, like we're doing this together. This is a community. We are healing as a community, whether we're in like the same city or the same mindset or whatever, it's so much bigger.
0: I love all of it. Thank you so much for your time and your story. And yes, I'm going to jump on Insta as soon as we're done here. You know, I'm doing this now a year and a half, almost 80 episodes. But I got to say, that was the first time I've heard such a wonderful invite. Like, everybody's welcome. Come on in. I'm going to just take that page and go forward with that. Love. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you for creating this space and for the invite and for your thoughtful questions and giving me the opportunity to kind of pour it all out there. So thank you.
0: This was great. And okay, so everybody, thank you. Thank you. As always, I know, I know, like I know, website, joyfoundhere.com. That's where we're going to see the comments or no, 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 feel free on Apple and Spotify and everywhere to leave some reviews, especially about this one. And we'll also put in the show links every place where we can find and follow Sarah. And you're all welcome. All right, thank you, thank everyone. You. till the next time, stay safe. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.